0: Hey, good morning, Fellowship Fables. We're coming in from the foyer. Let's all stand together. This is the good news, that we have hope in Jesus Christ. And and here's the best part, that's all the hope that we need, is in a risen Savior. And so we're going to sing about that hope this morning. So if you would, let's sing together. And I've
1: been been healed by Savior. Savior. I fell fire from
0: above, and I've been down to the river. And I ain't the same, the prodigal return.
2: And all my hope is in Jesus.
1: Thank God. My yesterday is gone, and all my sins are forgiven, and I am.
2: I shackles and chains I and chains.
1: But I've been freed and forgiven I'm not going back I'll never be the same
0: That's why I'm singing All my hope is
1: in Jesus
0: Was the fire alarm going off yeah. <laughs> I saw the lights but well, I wouldn't morning. go and worry about it
1: <laughs> okay
3: well good morning my name is Tad this is Caroline and Isaiah we've also got Emmy over here we're some of y'all's student ministry team uh we're excited to have FSM join in uh the adult worship this morning as we kick off the school year uh and so but before we get going we've got some special guests that we just want to call attention to traveling team y'all come up here real quick we'll scoot over uh, I'm gonna pass the mic off to Will. Will, tell us a little about a little bit about the traveling team and what you guys do. Yeah, so we are a one-night missions conference on wheels. We speak with college students all over the United States uh, and, and campus ministries and churches. And we talk about one thing, we're a one-trick pony, and that is God's global mission. Uh, and then after we do this one-night missions conference, we connect students with opportunities to go overseas. So last year, we had three teams traveling. Uh, we spoke on 139 campuses to over 10,000 students, and we connected a little over 1,000 of them to go overseas in the short and long term. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh we, we are a big fan a, of a church, of what you guys do. Uh, we're really thankful for how you guys impact the kingdom. And we have, also have, there's four of y'all that call Fellowship Fable your home church. Raise your hands real quick. Uh, and so we we're big fans of the traveling team. Really thankful to have you guys here with us this morning. Thanks, Dad. Appreciate it.
4: Speaking of yes, there we go. Speaking of college students, if you're a college student in the room, next Sunday um, Fellowship College starts back up. So we have services on Sunday nights at 7 p.m. If you are a college student, go. If you know a college student, tell them to go. It's an awesome place to find community, um, especially with people that are around your age and go to school with you. Um, But like Tad said, um, we work with students, um, 7th through 12th graders, Um, and this Sunday, we're kicking off, or not this Sunday, this Wednesday. College is Sunday, we're Wednesday. This Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m., 7th through 12th graders are going to be meeting here at Fellowship Fayetteville, um, and we're gonna be kicking off cell groups. And our vision um, in the student ministry is, um, we exist to see students become world-changing followers of Jesus. And the way that we do that is helping to behold Jesus, to see Jesus for who He is, to belong together not only on Sunday mornings in the FSM room all together, but also on Wednesday nights um, with smaller groups of people in their grades um, that they get to find community with. And ultimately we want to see them to become we want to see them become disciples. Um, we want to see them share the gospel with kids in their school, invite students in um, to belonging at FSM. And Tad's going to tell us more about what this Wednesday night's going to look like.
3: Yeah, something we're really excited about uh, because of uh, just what Caroline said of wanting to become disciples of Jesus and a huge element of that is serving and and taking responsibility to care for those uh, in need around us. And so part of our kickoff this Wednesday night is gonna be serving uh, through one of Samaritan Community Center's programs called Snack Packs for Kids. Snack Packs for Kids distributes bags of food that just through the public schools all around Northwest Arkansas to kids who might be experiencing hunger over the weekends when they don't have access to school meals. Uh, just in Fayetteville alone and the surrounding area, they distribute over 500 a weekend. And so we want our students to take part in that. We're going to set up in the foyer assembly lines and assemble Snack Packs in partnership with uh, Snack Packs for Kids uh, and, and just to help our kids see, hey, we want to serve our community. And this is a really tangible way that we can do that. Uh, We also are asking our church. uh, We need to raise funds to help cover that. And so our goal this year was pretty big. We wanted to cover over eight weekends. That's over half the school semester. Uh, The total of that to cover all the snack packs is around $12,000. And that feels like a big ask. But last year, y'all were so generous to help us with this project. We're asking again Uh, This week, I've been amazed at the generosity of our church already. People texting me, asking how they can give. We collected some funds last week in the foyer, and so we're doing so again today. Uh, If you're over 40, uh, there's a box outside where we can take cash and checks. If you're under 40 and you don't do that, uh, there's actually a way you can give through Venmo. And so we've got instructions on how to do that. Come visit us in the foyer. Uh, We've got donuts, too. Students, we'd love to meet you uh, and get you all ready. For this year. That was, y'all yeah, really thought that was funny, huh? <laughs> Landed. Nice. Well, we're going
5: to take some time
2: this morning to pray
5: for the students. So parents and families, if you're around a student right now, uh, if you would hold a hand out, um, their direction, we'll take some time to pray for them this morning before they get back to school. So let's bow our heads together and then we'll, we'll worship again. Uh, Heavenly Father, we're grateful for uh, an opportunity to be with your people and with your family this morning opportunity to get to sing together and worship together, God, but we're also thankful for uh, students, uh, for the people that were able to shepherd and to uh, disciple and help grow, God. Um, So Lord, I pray that uh, even as we see them off to start school this semester, that you would have your hand of protection over them, that you would um, allow them to prosper in all that they do, Um, God, that you would allow your spirit to move in them, to grow them, to change them, into the image of your son more and more. God, I pray that we would uh, have students that are bold and that they would share your goodness and your grace with those around them. God, I pray that we would uh, help these students grow to be the, the followers of you, of your son, Jesus, and that they are created to be. So Lord, we love you and we're thankful for your son, Jesus, who's has afforded us all this, this life abundantly. God, we love you, in Jesus' name.
0: Well, Church, just a little bit of housekeeping before we go into the next song. That was the fire alarm. It was an alarm that was accidentally pulled. We're okay. Uh, So it's actually really neat. Because we wear these in-ears, the booth and security can talk to us on stage. So if there ever is an issue, we can hear it and and we can communicate that with you all. Um, But we also heard that they're going to reset the system. So it might go off again if it does. Try not to worry about it. Uh, it's just resetting. Um, but as we continue on with worship, we're going to sing a newer song. And so we sang this song a couple of weeks ago. It's called A Thousand Hallelujahs. So let's stand together and let's sing this morning.
6: the rocks cry out to worship. Whose glory taught the stars to shine.
2: God's creation long to have the words to sing. Listen to this. But this
6: joy is mine. So we sing this together as a church.
2: With a thousand hearts.
6: teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.
7: Amen, We can have a seat. Thank you, Miss Emily, and good morning, church family. Thank you guys for sharing your gifts with our family this morning. And it's good to see lots of different ages in here this morning. If I haven't met you, uh, my name is Clark Nolan, and I have the privilege of serving as our congregational leader here in Fayetteville and one of the servant pastors here. And uh, we're excited that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Uh, as we consider the time of the, of the year and what today represents, tomorrow is a big day for a lot of families, right? And so we wanna pray for a, a very special group of people. Um, In here this morning, our school administrators, our school board, um, our teachers, our counselors, our coaches across homeschool networks, private schools, charter schools, our public schools from Siloam down to Greenland, over to Elkins and West Fork and all over here in Fayetteville. And uh, we want to say thank you to you um, as you serve on the front lines in those spaces and help form the minds of the next generation. And so, if you're comfortable with it, I'd like to have you stand if you serve in our school arena, um, either at the university or here locally. Yeah, go ahead and stand. Yeah, give them a hand. Stay standing, we're gonna pray for you. Uh, More than ever, we know that, that, that what you engage in daily matters to this nation and to this church and to our community, and we, know, we want you to know that um, in the name of Jesus, you're salt and light and that we've got your back, and so let's go to him who's worthy. Father, thank you for those who serve on the front lines of our schools in all kinds of capacities. God, I pray that the peace and presence with Jesus would rule their hearts and minds, Give them wisdom and discernment in when to speak, when not to speak. Um, give them wisdom as they, um, as they form these, these minds in the, in the hearts of our next generation. God, I pray that you would grant them um, just patience and grant them mercy. Give them grace in the moment to walk with you, to walk in the fruit of the spirit in all things. Thank you for their service. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you guys so much for serving in that capacity. Also, wanted to note a resource that we have for you. Um, If we're gonna see God do things that we believe he can do, we have to ask him for those things, okay? We believe in the power of the Spirit when we ask him for things, aligned with his will in the scripture, he does great things. We provided a prayer guide for you. As you walk out, you can pick up a a hard copy of one of those. We also have them on the website where you go to find our teaching notes and those kind of things, it's there as well. And on this guide, it's got a way for you to pray for your specific schools where you live in your parish or your neighborhood, okay? Detailed requests for the administrators, for the students, for the teachers, for the schools. On the other side of this resource is a guide to teach you how to do a prayer drive around this city and to pray for the institutions and the organizations that make up the city of Fayetteville, and so just wanted to provide you with that tool and that resource. And we want to continue to ask God to do things and to make the good news of him made known to all peoples here in our city. And so pick up one of those on the way out today. Um, well, we have the privilege for the next three weeks, and I'm really excited. And I'm really excited about um, so many different kinds of people being in the room today. Because once a year, we take three or four weeks And we do what we call a mission vision series. And this is an opportunity for us to get all on the same page, use the same language for where we feel like God is taking us, what He's called us to be um, as a church. In a few weeks, we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. And through Thanksgiving, we're going to work through that letter together. Um, This past summer, we've been through, spent 21 weeks in John. But just for a few weeks, we're going to do what we might call topical as we look at what the scriptures say about the church's mission. Uh, The Bentonville campus, Rogers campus, or Mosaic Congregation, Fayetteville, Celebrate Recovery, we've all used this statement to guide our philosophy of ministry over the years, to produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ to Northwest Arkansas and the world. We're gonna unpack that a little bit. And over the next three Sundays, we're gonna see how we make disciples together, why we exist as a church, why we worship together, why come to this room on a Sunday morning, and then why we gather together. Uh, what is the significance biblically of small groups and how they help us be formed into the image of Jesus? And so that's a little bit about where we're going these next few weeks. Um, exactly three, 33 years ago, uh, probably this week, I made my way to the college campus as a freshman, and I'd been, uh, I'd been following Jesus for about three years. The good news of Jesus came alive to me um, on a cold December night in Bryant, Arkansas. And I realized that because of what Jesus had done for me on the cross and the resurrection, he had forgiven my sin. I wasn't under the condemnation of God anymore. And he had granted me eternal life to give me abundant life this side of heaven and to help me experience the fullness of that life through Jesus' resurrection. It was great news to me. As I made my way to college um, that first semester, my parents were going through a separation and divorce. My heart was becoming a little bit hard, and, and my moral compass was getting a bit foggy, and I'd never seen freedom like this kind of freedom, and my heart was beginning to fall in love and drift to the world's values. And God, in his sovereign goodwill and pleasure, he put two men in my life. Their names were Kenny and Trey. And he, I met him one day in the cafeteria on the campus. And uh, for the first time ever, I'd grown up in a faith tradition where I heard the good news of Jesus. But pretty much, if you didn't commit major public gross sin in front of people and you attended a lot, it kind of worked out for you, Right? But something was still, something was off in my heart, and I didn't understand what it meant to follow Jesus in the everyday, and in, in applying the scripture to my battle with sin, and how to love people that were hard to love, and um, those types of things. And so God put these men in my life, and for the next three or four years, spent time with them, and they helped me fight sin with the scriptures, and they, they gave me a heart for other people, and they They taught me how to let the Lord have control of my mouth on the basketball court, fair, right? And um, and God captivated my heart during this season with this passage we're gonna look at today. And as just a normal kid going off to college, I really didn't know where my life was headed, and this passage gave me direction, it gave me purpose, it gave me vision that God could use even somebody like me And then Emily read it. We're gonna make a few observations and then we're gonna use it as a diving board into the words of Jesus specifically in terms of how he defines who and what a disciple is. A few observations, Matthew 28. Now the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee. They went to a mountain that Jesus had told them to go to. So they're acting in obedience to their credit and they find themselves on this mountain. And it says they worship but some doubted, which is like many of our experiences, right? There's a sense of, and he had been on the earth 40 days at this time after his resurrection, and yet some are still doubting. But there's worship and doubt going on here. And Jesus came and said to them, I just want to note a few things here. I want to note there's three alls that are mentioned. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The disciples are under his authority. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's the scope of this command. All the nations of the world, all the ethnic groups of the world, all the different languages of the world, baptizing them. We're going to get to celebrate that here in just a few minutes, identifying people with Jesus and then teaching them to observe or obey all that he's commanded them. This is why this, this uh, command is called the command of commands. It's called the marching orders of the church. The primary imperative here in this passage is to make disciples disciples. We do that by going, initiating with people the gospel, baptizing, identifying them with Jesus as his followers, and then discipling them with his commands. And so this is why you can see this is the command of commands. And this came alive to me um, at a very formidable time in my life. Did you know that there's just over 17,000 people groups or ethnic groups in the world? When they think of the world, there's an us and a them. 7,400 of those people groups have yet to hear the good news of Jesus. They're what we consider unreached, and they make up just over 3.3 billion people in the world. One of the reasons that God has left you here on this planet after he's rescued you out of sin is to be a part of this happening right here, and we wanna see it happen in our generation. We wanna pray, to that end. And so if this is the church's, church's, church's marching orders, then who is a disciple? Who is a disciple and what is a disciple? In the New American Standard, the word is mentioned in the New Testament 246 different times. And it simply means a pupil or a learner. It's where we get our word disciple, someone who follows someone. A learner takes on the words and the thinking, the motivations, and the lifestyle of their teacher. Traditionally in this series, we would be encouraging you to go and make disciples and probably give you some ideas on how to go about doing that. Our primary focus this morning is to define, if we're we're called to make them, then what is one? And I'm, I'm concerned about this because I'm In 33 years of trying to help people understand what this means, and as I've tried to practice it myself, my concern with our church, with those in ministry circles, is that we're often asking people to call and go make something they are are not. And what I want us to be on the same page with, together as a family of faith this morning, is to be what Jesus said we're to be if we're to go make those disciples. All right, so we're gonna get, we're gonna have the same language this morning. This was horrifying for me over the last few weeks as I've meditated on this. Because I've asked myself, am I a disciple of Jesus? Is this where my heart is trending? And so I'm gonna push us into some very uncomfortable spaces this morning, and we're gonna let Jesus define it and raise the bar for us today. The last 21 weeks, we've looked at John, we've understood what the word believe means, to trust, to rely on, to depend on, to believe that he is the son of God, that he is Israel's Messiah, that he's the savior of the world and he's the world's true king. What we're going to see today in Jesus's word, if someone believes that, this is what your day looks like. This is what your lifestyle should look like. If you claim that belief, this is what it looks like to live every day as if Jesus is the savior of the world and your savior, the king of the world. And so we're gonna reverse engineer. We're gonna go back to Matthew chapter four and we see Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. He sees two brothers, Simon and Andrew. They were fishing. He he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. And here we see the invitation is part of the definition. Come and follow me, a person. I will make you, who turns us into disciples, or in, in this case, into fishers of men? Jesus does. Into fishers of men, he gives us a bigger purpose. He invites us to follow a person in a process for a bigger purpose. For all of you that are taking notes and you like alliteration, Person, process, purpose. Now, this is for every age group in here, every ethnic demographic. This is for every season of life person in here, the young and the old. This is for every seminary graduate. This is for every parent. This is for the traveling team this morning. This is the person that you've been called to be. He gives us something bigger to live our life for. You know who else this is for? This is for the person in here that doesn't claim faith this morning. And maybe that's why you're in here in this room this morning, and you've got questions about what it means to believe on Jesus for salvation and to follow him. This is for you. I want to invite you to come and see this man and to walk away from your wondering and to walk away from the the, the sin that you're in that is not delivering on what it promises. I want to invite you to come and follow him. Don't come Follow a program, don't come attend a church, come follow him, and we'll use those other things to do that together. The first thing, the first characteristic that we see related to who a disciple is, is a disciple is on mission with Jesus. In this passage in Matthew four and in Matthew 28, there's a bigger mission going on here that he's calling them to be and to do. He's fishing for both unbelieving Jews and pagan Gentiles. And we see that all through his ministry. In Luke 5, he says, I've come to call the righteous, not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In Luke 15, we have three parables, the lost sheep, the lost son, the lost coin. And he says that tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, the self-righteous. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Later, as he rescues Zacchaeus out of his greed, he says that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Maybe this will be an easy way for you to remember it. Following him involves fishing for them, okay? Following him involves fishing for them. A disciple is on mission with Jesus, and this is irrespective of what your spiritual gift is. He actually can use a variety of gifts, if you don't have the gift of evangelism, to bring people into his kingdom. That's the, the really cool thing about a church like this is he's gifted you with different gifts, but he can use you to be on mission with him. A disciple's on mission with Jesus. Secondly, a disciple gives up everything for Jesus. All right? Now this is going to get a little dicey. Hear these words from Jesus. I'm just the messenger. Great crowds accompanied him and he said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He's giving us a definition here, right? This is Jesus talking. He goes on to say, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then verses 28 to 32, he unpacks what it means to count the cost before you commit, or before you build something. And in the 33, so therefore, if any one of you does not renounce all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Right? These are the words of Jesus. It's a high bar, and only in him, and through the work of his grace, can we obey these commands, all right? Now, we gotta do a little bit of work, because when we use the word hate in our... English space, it usually carries with it a deep disdain for someone, or it carries with it even ill-content or even malice, where you want bad things to happen to someone when you hate someone really bad, okay? In this context, in a, Ju- in a Judaistic context, in a Semitic context, it, it's a lesser love. In fact, I could make a case in the Gospels Jesus' great commitment to his father alone informed the way he loved his mother well to the end, okay? So you got to understand the context here. Uh, Jesus is speaking of priority, supremacy, a greater love, a preference, preferencing him over all other relationships. And then personally, I know that I could not love my wife Pam for these last 30, uh, 28 years, unless Jesus was supreme in my heart helping me love her sacrificially like Ephesians 5 calls me to do. I definitely couldn't be the dad that he's called me to be to steward my three sons unless he was supreme because our children make great idols. Calling you away from that make him Supreme, 18 months ago, I watched my mom and dad pass from this life into eternity to be with Jesus in about a 35-day window. And there was a little season in here, and many of you in this room are in this season right now where you're a caregiver. There was no way I could love my parents the way he's called me to honor them and love them if Jesus was not supreme, my supreme love in that moment. He informs our loves because he asked to be the supreme Love, he wants our complete allegiance. And then he says, take up his cross. When you would take up your cross to, um, to, um, to be crucified in Roman culture, um, it, you would have to carry your own cross and people knew through the shame what you had done and it was significant because it signified a type of, a type of gross death that you would take on. So the cross became this sign of death. If we're going to follow Jesus, we must bear our cross. You must die to yourself, deny yourself, so that he can give you life. And then he says to renounce all that you have. One commentator says, say goodbye to all of your possessions. Now, I don't, I'm not going to sell Jesus short in here this morning um, and take this literal, all right? It could be that some of you this morning, you do need to sell your possessions, he called the rich young ruler to do that. And he went away sad because he wasn't willing to do that. And so it could be that some of you need to be sensitive to God's spirit and you need to sell your possessions and give them away to the poor, all right? I'm not gonna sell Jesus short on that. But we know at least in the heart, he's after stewards of possessions, not owners. And he's, he's addressing the heart. What is supreme in your heart, renounce your need to have things to define you, to give you identity, to give you mission and purpose. Let me be that person a disciple gives up his or her things for the great commission and the glory of God. Now, I think it's fair to say right now that if you're gonna be a disciple of Jesus and renounce your relationships, your things, your possessions, and even your own life, um, it's it's gonna be hard. So I don't want anyone to get the idea that you're doing this great exchange with Jesus this morning, and because of your great commitment to him, he's now gonna materially take care of you on this side of heaven, all right? He is sovereign, and he may do that. But it could be that he's actually gonna use tragedy and crisis and pain and hurt and discomfort to form you into the image of his son. In fact, those of you that have followed Jesus for years, you know this is true. He rids you of yourself and sets you free by becoming the supreme. There's no guarantee that if you're a disciple of Jesus, it's gonna be a comfortable path. He's calling us to something difficult an open handed life, a life that John Owen calls, um, he wants to watch to walk away from living affections for dying things. Dave Harvey says this, and it's on the screen. I'm just going to quote the last sentence there The sin of covetousness is not that we have stuff, it's that our stuff has us. A disciple gives up everything for Jesus. A disciple also lives by the words of Jesus. In John eight thirty one, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And other versions say, if you hold to what I say, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Remember the Great Commission? All authority has been granted to him. He says, teach all of my commands. The freedom he's speaking of here in the context of John 8 is the freedom from the slavery of sin. He calls us out of that to give us our life back. And instead of the Jews just being a son of Abraham, they now become a son or daughter of Yahweh and experience the freedom of true spiritual sonship. Let me remind you, church family, because I know, me included, there's many of us that haven't been great commercials for the word of God and how we live. Some of you are using that as an excuse to distrust the Bible because of the failures of those inside the church. The scriptures are true, trustworthy, and worthy of belief as an expression, the written incarnate word and the glory of God, independent of the failures of his followers. So I want to ask you to come up with the authority of the word of God and abide in his scriptures. They've hold the words of eternal life, and they set us free from sin. And for the last two years, I've been asking you, our church family, who or what is the loudest voice in your life? What screams the loudest? And for every person or would-be disciple in here, this is our answer. This should be the loudest voice in your life. It should be louder than anything you watch, anything you listen to, any other teacher, even what we say should be under the authority of this book and serve as our filter. A disciple lives by the words of Jesus. And then our last two characteristics, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You're to love one another. By this, by loving one another, all people will know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another, in John 15, he says, greater love has no one than this than that someone lays down his life for his friends. A disciple of Jesus has a lifestyle that gives up his preferences, her things, her desires, her wants for the benefit of the family of God. And it could be that in some cases, as Jesus did, that you lay down your physical life For someone. But it's a heart posture of sacrifice that you walk in deference to others' needs to meet their needs in the name of Jesus. It's a lifestyle of sacrifice. And as you do that, God rids you of you and your selfishness, and then you experience deep joy, a life of dying to self for the benefit of another. And then our last characteristic of who or what a disciple is. By this my Father is glorified, in John fifteen eight, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciple. A disciple bears the fruit of Jesus, and in this passage specifically, some of that fruit is answered prayer, it's the experience and the fullness of God's love, a life that glorifies God, a joy that's full, much greater than circumstantial happiness is one of those fruits. As you go into the greater New Testament narrative, you see fruit also being Christ-like characteristics, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We also see fruit in the book of Acts being a multiplied life, a life of impact. As others come to know and follow Jesus as king through your witness, there's a fruit bearing that takes place. A disciple, as Jesus defines it, so mission with him gives up everything for him lives by the words of Jesus, loves the people of Jesus and bears the fruit of Jesus. And so if we're gonna go and help people become this type of person, I wanna ask every person in the room to become this type of person, to become this type of person. If these statements don't reflect our motives, our heart, our lifestyle, then can we claim to be a follower of Jesus? If we were to take, let's just take some examples here. Your relationships, your schedule, the stewardship of your wealth, your marriage, your parenting, your role in the marketplace. Would these five things be seen in the way you interact with others and in the posture of your heart? Are these things true of you? As a disciple, well, imagine a world Imagine a community of people where if these things were true, what kind of world would that be? What kind of fellowship would this be? What kind of light would it be to a city if a group of people lived for something bigger than themselves? What kind of church or community would we have if people were giving up everything for the benefit of others in the glory of Jesus? What kind of church or community would we have if people experienced the freedom of slavery from sin because of the words of Jesus? being made true in their heart and experiencing the secure identity of the sonship or daughtership of being in Christ, what kind of community would that be? What would it be like to to have a community of faith where at every turn we were looking to give away things to bless others and to take care of one another in this place? What kind of community would this be if we experienced the fullness and the fruit of joy that is over and better than circumstantial Happiness. This is part of the why he's inviting us into this life, this side of heaven. It's part of the abundant life that he gives those who are his followers. I want to transition here just for a few minutes, and as we begin to wrap up, and I want to give you just some practical things, some pathways, if you will, to help you become this type of person, okay? It's going it's to take some work. It's a work of the Spirit, it's something Jesus does. Um, But we wanna provide you with some pathways, okay? The first thing out of the gate is what we call relationships through small groups. And like I said, we're gonna be working through Ephesians together. We're gonna have parenting small group options. We're gonna have marriage small group options. We're gonna have spiritual formation and spiritual disciplines groups to help you learn how to walk with Jesus for a lifetime. You can see on the screen the different types of groups that we have, these are more interactive, they're organic, they're raw, we facilitate discussion. We also have what we call our Discover in Classroom series. And these are four to six week modules that help help you unpack kind of the how-to of some of these things, what it means to be a member at Fellowship, how to find your leadership pathway and service here, how to learn how to share the good news with others, to make disciples of others, how to be a self-feeder on the scriptures in the context of community. Discover your Bible. We're gonna be doing panorama of the Bible um, this fall. And so that's a way that you can learn from Genesis to Revelation, God's great plan for his people. These are more lecture style. And we also have on Wednesday mornings, and this may be for those of you that wanna take a more aggressive attack at this from a knowledge perspective, um, some seminary level training that we're doing on Wednesday mornings. And these classes, uh, these three Old Testament, three New, New Testament classes, they're partly designed to prepare our global workers to partner with agencies to get them to the mission field, okay? But we're opening this up to those of you in the business community, those of you in our community that wanna participate in these things. But I need you to hear me clearly on this. Content without relationship is not discipleship. To be the person that Jesus is calling us to be does not happen in a classroom. God can use it to open your eyes to things you've never seen, but you're going to have to be in community with someone to help you apply what you're learning in the classroom. The the genius of Jesus' discipleship model is that he always had people with him as he lived and walked as he taught content. He was always doing the very thing he was teaching. If you're going to be a disciple, it's going to have to happen in the context of Relationship. In fact, if you sign up for one of these, I would encourage you to do it with someone that you're discipling or someone who is mentoring or discipling you. Now, I also wanna recognize this, and this is what I love about our church. I wanna just celebrate this. We have, we have very skilled disciple-making ministries that make up, many of your members here at Fellowship. The Navigators, to the Traveling Team, to some of these organizations on the screen, um, many of these serve on the campus, but they have raised money. We partner with them relationally, sometimes financially, um, to reach certain parts of our community. And so if you're in here, I want you to know I'm your biggest fan because you're doing things that I'm not doing in spaces with, to reach people that I can't reach. And we want you to know that we're behind you and we love what you're doing. In fact, just a few weeks ago, we celebrated our partnership with Downline and they've got a nine-month institute. If you're interested in that, you go to downlinenwa.com to learn more about that. David and Teresa Roth, they serve in the marketplace, trying to help those in the workplace be disciples and make disciples, okay? So part of our strategy is we've got a plan but we're, part of our plan is to partner with many of you who are really good at this. And we want you to know that you're loved and appreciated. Now let me end with this. Uh, this side of heaven, we never arrive. We wanna keep this, this bar that Jesus said high, okay? These are his words. It is a process. I believe that I am a follower of Jesus, like I said, it's been horrifying to process my heart and my life and the false idols that seem to seep their way into my heart and, and find they, they, want, they want my allegiance. We're all in process. But hear this. We become disciples as we make disciples. It, what we're calling you to be and to become and to participate in, this is not a wait until you've got it all together kind of thing. You become this person by giving up your life and your things and your relationships for the sake of others that's what happens when you make disciples you're going to have to sacrifice for someone else's benefit you're going to have to go to the authority of God's word not your own not your own to teach them how to obey you see we become disciples as we make disciples and we become the disciple that we're called make. I would invite you, every person in the room, to come and follow this man who gave his life a ransom for many. He did not come to be served, but he came to serve. As we started with the authority of Jesus, let's celebrate his authority in prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, you have highly exalted your Son and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of him every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of you, Father. And in the name of Jesus, we as a church desire to follow the Son. Help us in the power of your spirit to give up our lives.
8: Fellowship family. Uh, We are really excited to be with you all this morning. Uh, My wife, Louise, our youngest, Miles, we've got grandparents, aunt, uncle, cousins, and a really awesome community here to support us. Uh, And so we're really excited. Uh, About two years ago, when COVID was shutting down the world, the Lord was moving in the hearts of two of our kiddos, and that's brought us here today, and we're really, really excited about that. Uh, I've got Beck here, my oldest, he's 11. Uh, Beck's an incredible young man uh, that I'm in just just totally proud of. And uh, Beck, we're here together this morning, Lord, because you made the decision to pray to ask Jesus in your life. Is it your testimony that he's your king and you're gonna follow him all your days? Yes. That's my boy. It's my privilege in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit to baptize you, my boy. Buried with Christ in baptism. And raised to walk in Hi, my Olive. This is Olive, and uh, similar to her brother, uh, the Lord was moving in her heart, and she made the decision to pray and ask Jesus into her heart. She's an incredible young lady full of creativity and joy. And we're so thankful for her. Olive, is it your testimony that you've asked Jesus in your heart to be your king and you want to follow him all your days? Yes. Then it is my privilege and my great honor to, bear, to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in this life.
1: me
0: your son to die for us on a cross you may find redemption in him and it's in him alone that we can find it so god we stand here this morning humbled before you that you loved us that much that amazing love that you sent jesus to die for our sins and so may we walk in that and we follow you in obedience as you've called us to Glorifying your name all the way. Love you. It. It's in your son's name. Amen. Well, church, before you leave this morning, uh, in two weeks we're gonna have a choir, and so if you call fellowship uh, your home and you'd like to be involved in that choir, come up um, to us. Andrea is gonna have a sign-up sheet here. We'd love for you to get involved. Um, You can just sign up here. Again, that's in two weeks. As always, the prayer room is available through these doors. If you want to take communion there, it's available as well. We love you guys. See you next week.